Hey everyone, welcome to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical to your IT business. Automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional is going to help you grow your business. Today's host is me, Dave Scott, the head of marketing here at Connect Booster. And today we're going to listen to Angel Rojas tell a story about some crazy struggles related to owning and growing his IT business and how he overcame them. And in many cases, as a business owner, we want to be the hero that makes everything happen. But I'll tell you what, that, that's uh, not as good of a feeling as watching from a distance as your team rescues the day and you still get to to enjoy and celebrate that win. And let's get into the podcast. Hey, Angel, thanks for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me. Well, hey, man, we just want to start out with a quick bio, right? Tell us some stats, like what... Uh, uh, obviously, we know your first and last name, um, but where are you from? What's what's your business name, and uh, who's the target audience, and, and what pain points do you solve for that audience? Yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from uh, Puerto Rico, and uh, so uh, uh, I'm bilingual, which uh, makes for uh, a, a nice little skill set to have here in the Florida area. So we're based out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, the company name is Datacore Technology Solutions, and uh, as of uh, seven days ago, we were celebrating our 14th year, completing our 14th year. So we're now in our 15th year of business, wow. uh, serving clients here in the Tampa Bay area. We like to say that uh, we we look at clients that are doing anywhere between uh, three to about 50 million a year in business. Okay, uh, it's a great uh, great area to be in in, in business uh, with. Uh, you know, primarily because you, you've got companies that are starting to grow out of that mom and pop feel, mm -hmm. and they have tons of IT needs. And then you've got companies that are mature, uh, that you know are, are are looking at that transition between having an internal versus an external IT department. And so it's a great great time to help companies grow and uh, really be a valuable partner with them, which is what we uh, specialize in. I love it. I also love that you pronounce the word niche and not niche. <laughs> yeah, I learned that from uh, Mark Sheehan over at uh, over. He's he's in Texas, but uh, yeah. Robin Robbins likes to to make a big deal out of that. So I, I try to very very carefully pronounce it niche every time. Yeah, right. I used to have a um, a guy I knew. I wouldn't call him a mentor, but a marketing guy, and he was from Great Britain. And he always made fun of most of the words that Americans used, and one of them was niche. And he hated it when we pronounced it that way. So kudos to you for knowing <laughs> the correct pronunciation. Thanks for giving me a quick bio and rundown of your company. I appreciate that. And dude, congratulations on 14 years. That is a huge accomplishment. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. We're very proud of it. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, talk to me about an average day in Angel's life, in Angel's work life. What's an average day look like for you? Uh, so that, I don't know that there is an average day. I got young kids, so uh, if I make it out of the house before they get up, I get to have one kind of day. If I make it out of the house after they get up, I get to have a different kind of day. And really, it, it depends on where the productivity is going to be. So if I if I make it out of the house before they get up, I have a really productive morning. Uh, if I make it out of the house uh, after they get up, my productivity tends to shift a little bit into the afternoon and sometimes into the evening. So I like to get up early. Uh, I like to, to get out of the door and um, get up before they get up. Um, not because I don't want to be there when they get up, but because, you know, I, if, if they get up, I want to give them attention. Right. Uh, my family is absolutely important to me and, uh, I don't want to be the dad that, that just rushes out the door. Yeah. So, uh, one of the cool things about having the company and, and having people around me and having a good team is that I get that flexibility so that, you know, again, if they get up before I have a chance to get out, uh, 
I, I don't have to sit here and say, oh, I've got to be somewhere at this time or the other. And I really try to schedule appointments, you know, starting around 9, 30, 10 o'clock to, again, give me that flexibility. I guess if you were to ask me what my typical day looks like, it, it's an intentional effort to make margin uh, for the things that are important to me. I love that. That is awesome. That is that is so, so sweet. I think, um, and you, you hit the nail on the head on something I just wanted to circle back to. You mentioned that getting up early is an important to you. I should say critically important to the success of your day, which it sounds like. I think it was Benjamin Franklin that once said, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And it sounds like you try to abide by that as much as you can, which I, which I love. Absolutely. I try to. Now, it doesn't always mean I succeed. Oh, right. But I try to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know many entrepreneurs who have a quote unquote average day, but I, yeah, I, we should change that word to typical day. That would definitely be more um, more indicative upon what their day looks like. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing. Hey, you, you said earlier, 14 years, you're in the Tampa, Florida area, 14 years you've celebrated being in business. Tell us about some of the wins that you've celebrated in being the owner of your technology business over the last 14 years. Well, I can tell you the most recent one was, uh, sadly, kind of, you know, Hurricane Irma. All right. It came, it, it was pretty much a direct hit on the area. And where I see that as a win was I was able to to take my family to safety out of town. Uh, my home was was out of power for several days. Uh, it was difficult to get food locally and fuel. So I was able to take my family out of town and actually focus on them and not be worried about the business and what was happening because, again, my team stayed here uh, and uh, held up the fort and and really enabled me to be able to be out of out of town for that. Now, we worked as a team because when they didn't have power and they didn't have internet, but some of our, our uh, clients did, I was able to backfill from them for, from out of town. So it was a great way to test our disaster recovery prep and all of that. But it was really cool. Once things stabilized, that I was able to, you know, I even extended my stay for a couple of days uh, where I was just because I could. I, I didn't have to be here to make sure that the critical parts of the business were still running. So I, I think that's something that a lot of business owners still long to achieve. It, it, it's doable. But I think going back to my my uh, point about uh, waking up early and whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's all about being intentional about it. And uh, since you know, and you and I have talked for a lot, uh, a lot of times about some of the things that have gone on here, yeah. where I had to you know basically start over with a whole new team on, on short notice. And, and one of the points uh, that I really worked hard on when we had to do that was to make sure that I wasn't the, the person that was slowing things down. Right. And in many cases, as a business owner, we want to be the hero that makes everything happen because it feels good. Uh, it really does feel good to be the hero that rescues the day. Uh, but I'll tell you what, that, that's uh, not as good of a feeling as watching from a distance as your team rescues the day and you still get to, to enjoy and celebrate that win. Right. Yeah, man, I can only imagine. And my my wife grew up in Florida, and I think I've told you that before. She grew up near Port Charlotte, which is I think just south of Tampa Bay. And correct me if I'm wrong, you know. But she went through. I think it was one of the big hurricanes in the early '90s. She was just a little kid then, and, and was down there then. But you know, they didn't have to experience it because they were north. And I think the hurricane that impacted them then went on the uh, East Coast side, not on the Gulf side. But man, I ha I can only imagine, you know, what what that sort of um, pressure puts on your business but i just got to congratulate you angel you guys sounds like really uh did an awesome job in 
sticking to your focus points of running your company and operating your company, it doesn't really sound like you guys missed a beat going through going through that um, you know that trial. We really didn't. Um, you know, between the the execution of the uh, technical effort, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, verifying backups, doing all that. That really was a stress test on our backup systems because you know we were bombarding. Uh, uh, our backup systems. Uh, we, we upped the frequency of backups. Yeah. Uh, we, we double-checked everything. So it, it was a technical test. It was also a process test. So we were able to test, you know, okay, who's going to be aware? Where are they going to be? Um, you know, if there's food here at the office, take it home with you. You're going to need it there, not here. Right. If there's water here at the office, same thing. So just a, a whole plethora of, of items that uh, – that we went and uh, and looked at, and then um, you know you saw me on on Facebook. I was marketing, yep. uh, basically telling people, hey, if your business isn't doing these things to get ready for the storm, you absolutely need to start right now if you want to be in good shape after the storm. Right. And um, you know that that was fantastic, uh, uh, being able to reach the the area like that. Yeah, you know I um I just got to tell you the fact that you're talking about BDR business disaster recovery plans. You know, we at Connect Booster, we have we do three things, right? We automate accounting, we automate payments, and we automate the integration from a PSA tool, whether it be Autotask, ConnectWise, TigerPaw, Kaseya, you know, whatever, Microsoft Dynamics. So we went through a BDR, a business disaster recovery and a PR plan about a year ago, and it was probably um, the, one of the best exercises we've ever gone through. And so now we know if there is in the future, some sort of breakdown, data breach, you know, whatever that looks like, like we're prepared, you know. And I think where a lot of small to medium-sized companies fall down is they don't anticipate what some of those disasters look like, whether it be digital in nature, like a data breach, or, you know, somebody leaves your company and steals information and sells it on the dark web or whatever that looks like, or whether it's a, a natural disaster, like a hurricane or an earthquake or whatever that looks like. I just don't think most entrepreneurs and businesses think about those things. So I'm proud to say that we know you and that you're accomplishing a lot of those things um, and speaking about a lot of those things. And, and again, it sounds like you guys were really prepared. So kudos to you, man. That's that's huge. Thank you very much. And it's not easy, right? No, it's not. It's never easy going through that stuff, mm-hmm. but you have to make it important. You have right. to make it urgent and critical you do. Uh, and, and you have to rehearse it. Yep. So um, we do a drill every time there's a tropical storm that even remotely comes into the area. And some of our clients email us and say, what are you doing, man? This thing's not even going to come close. But we still go through the prep because every chance we get to rehearse it with that stress, knowing that it might come into the area, we're doing it under pressure. Yeah. We're doing it in a realistic environment. And, and that's just so valuable for, for my team. And we've been able to weed out all the little tiny things that could go wrong we get to weed them out under stress under real stress and 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 to have that unique opportunity and take advantage of it you know i've got folks in town that don't do that right um you know but when the real real event comes exactly you know are they going to be ready for that right crazy well hey i know you all have accomplished some amazing things in your business what do you consider one of your greatest wins Wow, one of my greatest wins. It's mm-hmm. a big, uh, big question. Maybe it might be a people you know, win. It might be a certain hire. It might be a certain dollar threshold revenue amount that you've gotten to. Think about some of those things. Like, what what does that greatest win look like for you? I think my greatest win right now is making that transition from tech 
to to I, I wouldn't say I'm right at CEO right now. I, I still have a few things that I need to shed and task shed, mm-hmm. but getting to the point where, uh, well, for example, uh, Stanley McChrystal, General Stanley McChrystal, was speaking at uh, an industry event recently, and, and he he basically said, "Look, I'm trained to be an amazing shot, but if I'm in Afghanistan firing my weapon as a general, something's gone terribly wrong." Yeah. And, and so that really hit me, and 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 I, I I think one of the biggest wins is the fact that I'm not fixing stuff on a regular basis anymore, technical stuff. You know, still I I, I collaborate with my team, and and you know we we run through stuff together, but I'm yep. not running client issues on a regular basis, and I think that's a huge win because a lot of us struggle with it, and this this just happened recently within the past you know 12 18 months, so you know it it can take a very long time. Uh, to 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 get there. So for those of you that are, you know, younger in the IT industry and in the MSP field, uh, don't get frustrated if you don't accomplish it right away. You know, I know a lot of people are saying you got to get there, you got to get there, but um, you know, it can take a lot of time because it's not something entirely easy to do. Yep, patience. Gary Vaynerchuk and even guys like Tony Robbins, even though they're dynamic, seems like really fast, really critically quick types of thinkers and action takers and decisive decision makers, they preach patience all the time. So I can totally appreciate what the message that you're preaching there. Talk to me about the day you left your old nine to five job for the opportunity of being self-employed. What was that like? Gosh, I can still remember the smell can of you? the tire, the <laughs> smell of the tire rubber I laid down as I was leaving that parking lot. <laughs> uh, That's great. So gosh, it was, it was, uh, Let's see. It was September of tw- 2003. I was given. I was basically told, "Hey, you know, your official termination date is October 6th, but we're going to let you home, but you have to be on call if if you need to come in." And I think I did one day uh, before October 6th. But uh, uh, I was elated and terrified. I had three months of severance pay to figure out how I was going to uh, make ends meet. And I knew, uh, you know, as a Christian, I mean, th- this was a, I knew God was calling me to start this business. Okay. So I knew he was going to take care of me, but I was terrified because I had no idea where the money was going to come from. I had just bought a house. I mean, it, it was just crazy. So, um, but I can tell you my time in a nine to five was done and that was incredibly freeing to leave that. And I also knew that there was a new stage in my life coming and uh, I had no idea what I was in for, though. That that's for sure. I, I had, I mean, every every preconceived notion I had was wrong. <laughs> so, what were some of those preconceived notions? Touch on those if you could. Uh so let's see. Uh, if you build it, they will come. I think is probably one of the. Uh, yes. If I if I am really really good at this. Uh, you know, people would just flock to me. Right. Uh, you know, that, I think that was that, that was a popular, uh, I think that's popular among a lot of people. Uh, you start a business, you think you can do a good job, and, and business will just come. And I think that was the biggest one. Yeah, I agree. I'm reading a book right now, and I've referenced it in a couple of the other podcasts that we did. We did one two weeks ago with Scott Spiro, and then we did one uh, two weeks ago or last week with Bob DeLisa, the CEO, founder and CEO of Cooperative Systems. And um, the book that I referenced is called 
the reluctant entrepreneur. And really, the the author of the book is talking about how most entrepreneurs don't become successful because they're original. They become successful because they take a tried and true product or service, and they change it to add value. They monetize it. They scale it so you can resell it over and over and over again. So your profitability goes up, and it allows them to go to market and be that number one or number two market leader in whatever they're doing. And inside of the book, he references big names like the CEO of Zappos. I mean, Zappos didn't invent shoes, right? They certainly didn't invent e-commerce either. They they just invented an awesome e-commerce shoe store online. He talked about Nike, right? Everybody was selling shoes way back in the 50s, well before the founders of Nike founded Nike. But they were doing a really crappy job at it. So he took selling shoes and manufacturing shoes to a whole new level, added value, created Nike, and now you have this big behemoth. And I know those stories are rare, like the billion-dollar companies are less than one of one of one of one percent. But at the end of the day, the methodology that they're using is the same, right? You're, they're entrepreneurs. They saw something that sucked, and they took it and blew it up and made it awesome, and they added value to some other product or service that nobody was doing before. And it sounds a lot like what you're doing today. It, it it really is, and and you know, as you were talking, I remembered uh, I was I was ranting with somebody on Facebook, uh, uh, Facebook Messenger, um, because our industry suffers from uh, what I will call magic bean selling. Okay, okay. Everybody's got all these magic beans that grow trees into this magical MSP land, and us poor IT people that have this bad ADD and, and shiny thing problem where we look at the newest, shiniest thing and we have to have it, uh, we're, we're chasing all these magic beans that we see out there that are supposed to solve the backup problem, that are supposed to solve uh, this email problem or or whatever whatever problem either is there or, or has been invented uh, to sell something. And rather than focusing on just fundamentals, right, Answering the phone live, right? Showing up when the client says to show up, uh, being there for the client when they call and when they need you. Yep. Preparing your company and your clients for a disaster. None of those things involve a single product, and I think that's been where one of my biggest shifts over the past few years has has, has focused on is, whoa, whoa! I don't need new stuff. I just need solid, time-tested processes. I need to teach them to my people. I need to reinforce them. And you know what? If the right person's not here that can't accept those processes, then we need to help them exit and put somebody else that can uh, execute those processes and do so repeatedly over and over again. Right. Love it. So let's take a step back. You talked about severance. You talked about being let go. What was that job that you left that catapulted you into starting data core technology solutions like what were you doing before and were you were you laid off were you fired were you let go was there downsizing so what were you doing and what was so, the, what was the reason you you exited that uh, I was a I was a network administrator for an insurance agency a local insurance agency at the time it was the largest privately held insurance agency okay uh, in in the state of Florida and uh, all of a sudden along came this bank and bought the insurance agency and Things were cool. It was a small bank based out of uh, uh, North Carolina, and they were great to work with. I love them. They have great values, and, and they were amazing. And then all of a sudden, this bigger bank came and bought that bank, and things changed quickly. And my job went from helping people and solving problems to telling people who to call to get their problems solved. And I became very frustrated 
to the point where I got put on probation and I was basically told, hey, um, if you don't shape up, you're out of here. And at that point, I, you know, the only reason I needed a job was so I could buy my house. So I shaped up pretty quickly. About a month after I, uh, I bought the house, uh, they said, well, you know, we don't really need you anymore. So we're going to go ahead and uh, lay you off. Uh, but we don't know when yet. And I said, okay, well, fantastic. That's great for morale. I'll, I'll, I'll hang around and I'll, I'll see what happens. And uh, all of a sudden they said, well, you know, uh, we pretty much are done with you. Uh, so we're going to accelerate your exit and we're going to give you three months of severance pay. Jeez. And I said, sold, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> so I think they were kind of shocked because they weren't expecting to see me so happy uh, during that meeting. But that that's kind of how that ended. And uh, I, I learned a lot of my discipline in IT from that job. Okay. I was going to college while doing that job. And, and you know, for an IT person to go to college, it's tough because you don't really learn anything technology-wise. So I, I had to, to kind of figure out what I wanted to get out of college. And I think the classes that made the most impact on me were principles of financial accounting, right. marketing, and uh, management. I think were the, the classes that I enjoyed the most. The rest of them I ended up just uh, – trying to get out of there as quickly as possible and as pain-free as possible. Yeah, I have a good friend that has a CS degree, computer sciences degree from the University of Minnesota, and he's like, man, pretty much 75 to 80% of everything that I learned does not equate into a full-time gig. Like, it doesn't help him do his job. It doesn't teach them about cloud or Microsoft products or Azure or custom development, enterprise software. It doesn't teach him any of that. And marketing is the same, right? I mean, we... I'm the head of marketing here, so you know I work with our design and our marketing team and our copywriters, and I've managed teams of 20 and 30 in the past. And oftentimes, those young marketers, when they come out of college, don't know anything about marketing. They don't understand good how to write good copy. They don't understand SEO. They don't understand web development. They don't even understand the principles of, you know, contrast when you're putting text on a on a website page. So it's it's all interesting. You have to teach them a lot of those things, but that's I guess that's the way the world works, right? So I can I can relate to your point about going to college and not learning exactly what you need in order to run a business. So Absolutely. And, and even then, um, you know, there's only a few things I even got out of those classes, like for marketing. Yeah. I don't remember any of that crap. Here's what I remember from that class. Okay. Yeah. Number one. Okay. Uh, why does why does a Lexus's door sound louder than a Mercedes when it closes? Uh, and it's because one, Mercedes figured out that that, uh, that sound is very much like the uh, the heartbeat of a uh, that that you hear in the womb, and so it's very comforting. And so right. Lexus, in order to upsell them, they just made it louder. Right. Okay. So understanding why people buy, and and, and some of the subtle nuances is key. Yeah. Uh, the second thing, uh, whatever your competition is doing, do the opposite. Yep. And, and this was from, I'll give you his name, Dr. Jerry Goolsby. He's got a wing named after him in, in I think, Louisiana State University now, um, LSU. I, I don't remember which school it was, but uh, but brilliant guy. I mean, he put a photography business out of uh, out of business across the street by running a sign that said Express Yourself for his guitar shop. Nice. That's awesome. So, I mean, it, it's just that subtle stuff that you don't think about that, that – uh, I got really curious about with marketing. And I knew you'd appreciate that being that you're a marketer. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, talk to me about when when did you first have the notion that you wanted to be self-employed? Was your exit from that insurance company kind of the violent shove in the small of your back that propelled you into that? Or when did you have the first first have the notion that you wanted to be self-employed? 
Well, the uh, the possibility of uh, you know being homeless and hungry definitely had a, a bit of a motivation. Now, when I was in in probably my third year of college, no, second year, um, I actually went. I, I have a, a business mentor. His name's Jack, and when it's Jack's office, he was one of the owners of the uh, insurance agency I was working at. And um, you know, he asked me, "Hey, what do you what do you want to do?" And I, I I honestly had no idea. And uh, he pointed to a sign that he has in his office or had in his office and uh, and sa- the sign said, a goal without a deadline is just a wish. It is. And uh, it's like, all right, okay, so uh, I've got to set a deadline for stuff. So I, I had to figure out, you know, what it is, what it was that I wanted to do. And so I went home, you know, I told you before, I've got a strong Christian faith. So I prayed, I asked God, you know, hey, what do you want me to do? And uh you know, it, it's kind of crazy. It just like God just said, okay, I want you to graduate college in 03, buy a house, start a business, and get married all within that, all within a year period. Wow. Just a like, little stress there. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, that was back in, uh, what, 2001. And uh, so I said, okay, well, um, I've got absolutely none of the foundations for most of that. I guess I better start paying attention in college so I can maybe get some foundation for some of that other stuff. But I did set the deadline, at least for the college part. And uh, it was cool how everything else just kind of fell into place when I when I started with setting the college deadline. And what that did for me was it helped me make really good decisions yeah. because I knew, okay, I can, I can gauge every decision I make right now based on whether it's going to help me finish college in 2003 or not. I love it. And so setting that deadline really helps to focus uh, so that, that you know whether what you're doing and the time that you're investing right now and whatever it is that you're doing is going to help you accomplish that goal. What was the shift change perceived or how was it perceived to your wife, your family, your friends, your peers when you left your insurance, um, your gig at the insurance company as a technician? So I, I wasn't married at the time, so okay. that wasn't a problem. My dad was a business owner, and uh, so there was a little bit of that already in place there that uh, um, was cool. Um, my mom thought I was nuts. Uh, uh, most of my friends thought I was nuts. Uh, actually, pretty much everybody I talked to thought I was nuts, mainly because that was so foreign to them. And, and even today, um, you know, as a business owner, there's really a very small group of people I can actually have conversations with that are kind of normal conversations right because few people understand you know just some of the struggles and, and some of the uh, uh, you know the things that we face you know if I tell somebody oh yeah I'm gonna you know defer pay for a couple months to do this that or the other or whatever it, you know it's very somebody looks at me that that gets a constant paycheck or has a regular job and they're like why it, it just you know there's just conversations that that can't be had with just anybody and most of those people thought I was pretty much nuts. It, it's so foreign to them that they just don't understand it. How did you feel about it? A few times. Uh, I did think I was in over my head at least two or three times a day, actually, maybe more. You know, when, when you're young and there's very little responsibility in play, you can take a lot of risk that you can't. Like, for example, right now I got three kids. Mm-hmm. My stakes are a lot higher now than they were back then. Right. You know, if I didn't make a mortgage payment and, and I was homeless, I could go back home live with mom, you know, no problem, no big deal. Now the stakes are quite a bit higher. So so back then I think there was a naivete 
a little bit of that, just being naive and just saying, okay, whatever happens, happens. I could afford to do that. Um, so I think having some of that lack of responsibility or just not, not having uh, many things tying me down to anything yep. really, uh, really helped to ease a lot of that pressure where I guess the easiest way to say it is I had very little or if anything to lose. Yeah, no. And I think that naivety can be a strength, right? I think that naivety, not knowing what you don't know can actually help you because if you knew what a lot of the struggles that entrepreneurs went through, I mean, looking back, um, you know, there's, there's a couple times where, uh, I, I knew of other entrepreneurs in my space that were depressed. They had insecurity issues. Some of them were self-medicating, some of them were having affairs. Some of them had issues with their finances. Some of them were in debt up to their eyeballs. And it's ridiculous. And if I had known some of that way back in the day, like in my early 20s, I probably would have never taken the leap eventually in my 30s and, um, or even worked for other entrepreneurs knowing that, knowing what my perception was realistically later on in life, if that makes sense. So I think that naivety can actually be a strength. And I'm, it sounds like you can agree to that. It is. And, and, uh, you know, that stuff, some of that stuff is there, you it know, is. I, 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 I've, I've, you know, had to go seek counseling for, you know, helping me process a few things. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had so many, you know, I've talked about all the, the family challenges that we've had with our kids, um, you know, health issues and, 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 uh, uh, you know, all, my, my oldest is six. Then I have Eli who's three and Sadie who's one. Yeah. And, and so with young kids, you know, there's always something had that been at the forefront. I, I, I think there would have been a very different outcome yep. overall. Um, but not having all of that pressure really kind of, uh, it delayed all of that stuff to a time where the business was more stable to help me be able to address a lot of those problems in a healthier fashion than a lot of other people do. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's, it's not about, you know, one of the, one of the craziest things that, that, uh, one of the craziest lies we talk, tell ourselves is that we're failing mm -hmm. when the reality is, is we're not failing. We're just fried. We're, yeah. we're overwhelmed. Uh, we need a break. We need to step away from it. So, you know, that's not failure. And, nope. and you're not doing something bad. You're just, uh, you know, uh, compared to being sick. Yep. All right. You don't tell a sick person, get better now. No, you got to give them a little bit of medicine. You got to let them rest. You got to let them recharge and then they're back to normal. And, and, and that's the same thing with a lot of business owners. We, you know, we have that burnout sickness and then everybody around us is saying, you got to do more. You got to keep going. And that can actually put us into a tailspin. It can. It can. No, I completely hear everything that you're saying. And yeah, like, you know, just like I said, I think that naivety of not knowing those things so so young would have prevented you from diving into the entrepreneurship world, um, you know, when you did. So thank God you did it when early on before you were married and before kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, a lot of times uh, that can make up for being properly capitalized, which is something that's very important for starting a business. You can either be properly capitalized with cash or you can be properly capitalized with lack of responsibility and going at it blind and just having a lot of energy and youth to put behind it. Yeah. Angel, what draws you back to what you do every day? Knowing that this is my calling, knowing that that, that being here at DataCore serving our clients, growing my team, growing them individually, not just growing them as a team. Um, this is what I was put on this planet to do. 
uh, the people I've had a chance to meet, the other business owners, my clients. There, there's many of them that, that I talk to on a very, you know, on a personal level. I have a good personal relationship with with so many of them. And, and, and there's some that, that we just, you know, we get to talk about stuff that nobody else gets to talk about. And just really that people part of it um, is really cool to me. But but I really feel that this is this is my purpose on this planet. I love it. Love it. Those deep, meaningful conversations with your peers and clients are so awesome, aren't they? They are. They're they're pretty amazing, and uh, I get so much out of them. Uh, you know, more so than than just uh, some other friendships that I have that that just never really go deep. Right. Um, you know, being able to talk about what's really in your heart, what, what, what really troubles you, what keeps you up at night and, and, and then, you know, walk with somebody through a tragedy. I just, I, I just walked with a friend who lost his 18 month old daughter. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, being able to walk with them along with them. Cause we, we had, uh, five miscarriages. One of them was on father's day, mm. had to take my wife to the hospital and, uh, uh she was, uh, just bleeding profusely internally. Uh, so bad that I mean I almost lost her too on Father's Day uh, for crying out loud. So uh, you know a lot of these experiences, not only personal but in business, equipped me to help you know walk with somebody else about it or, or through a, a problem that they're having. And sometimes you just need somebody to come along and say, "Hey man, it's cool. You got a shoulder to cry on, and I understand." Yeah. And being able to say I understand and actually mean it. I mean the number of people that say I understand, but the number of people that actually mean it, big big difference there. Man, I never knew you went through those miscarriages. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And you know some of the struggles we've gone through here with Joe, one of the partners at Connect Booster, right? He's Absolutely. You know, he's uh, had cancer. He was afflicted with that almost two years ago. And, um, you know, Joe is uh, staring the reality of death in the face, you know. and Man, I can't believe it's been two years. Yeah, right. It ha- I mean, I don't know. been praying it's... for him for a long time. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's been close to two years. So... You know, just the grief of, of, you know, watching that tragedy happen to a good friend is extremely hard. Um, but, you know, it's those, it's the conversations and not giving up on the relationships that you work with every day that draw you back to what you do. And that's what I hear you saying as well. Absolutely. That old adage that, you know, hey, it's it's not personal, it's just business. Yeah. I, I think is so insulting to our human nature. It is. Uh, and uh, I, I absolutely hate that phrase because it is very personal. You know what? Business is relationships and people. And when you can connect with somebody on a personal level, um, you build such a rich relationship, whether it be a client or a partner uh, or a vendor or whatever. And you know what? To be able to come alongside them when they have a problem, help them through it, I, I, you know, it's just an amazing feeling. Uh, and it, it's really it's meaningful. It's not just a transaction you know, where, Hey, here's a hundred bucks, you know, all right, well, you gave me a hundred bucks worth of stuff. Great. No, it, it just, it, it's great to connect at that deeper of a level. It is. It is. Well, man, we have talked about a lot. You know, we talked about the, why you went into business. We talked about the shift or the paradigm that, um, the impetus that moved you from being employed to what I call unemployable or self-employed, right? Let's talk about automation. Let's take the shift a little bit more back to business, right? we all know that automation is super critical to the success of your business. What sort of systems are you automating, right? We know that you're obviously a partner, a connect booster partner, but talk to some of your peers, talk to us a little bit about the other processes and systems that you're automating inside of DataCore. So, you know, uh, obviously we're talking to MSPs. So, you Mm -hmm. know, we have a a remote 
monitoring and management tool. Uh, we're currently using uh, ConnectWise Manage, uh, so patching uh, gets automated through that. A lot of scripting we were just talking about uh, uh, this morning with, with uh, uh, one of my team members about um, some of our temp file cleanups. And we were talking about the recent CCleaner issue, and he was very, you know, he's very quick to, to run through, get us a, a listing of, of any installs of CCleaner and, and uh, basically determine, hey, we don't need it. If there's anybody installed out there, uh, you know, let's let's uh, remove it from their computer. So, um, you know, automation is absolutely critical. It's a, um, it's a force multiplier. It lets me do more with, a, with fewer people. So it makes it less expensive for me to grow. Uh, as I look at my growth uh, plans, you know, I've got to account for how many people it's going to take to service that amount of business. And so when I look at those growth plans, if I have to add heads, well, that's overhead that I have to add there too. So it's a cost. Uh, so it, it helps me to really get a, a grasp on how fast we can grow with how many people and, uh, you know, really do it with, with fewer resources than before with the automation. I love it. So you're automating using ConnectWise. You're automating a lot of your yep. payments using Connect Booster. What do yep. you guys talk to us a little bit about the other things you're automating inside of your business, like maybe your time tracking, your accounting? What what other sort of tools are you all using to automate and help you grow? Okay, so uh, with uh, with accounting, obviously, we're using you guys to to help us do um, the the accounts receivable process, which is fantastic. Uh, I really. There, there's so much money I was leaving on the table before because I just wouldn't go back and adjust all the billing because it was so much trouble and I had so much other garbage to do. Um, but now that that's that's a breeze. Uh, so as far as uh, we do a little bit of marketing automation, we uh, we tie in some of our Facebook campaigns uh, through uh, uh, our website and use Zapier to fire off certain uh, uh, certain actions like emailing reports and things like that. Uh, so again, it takes it takes the work, you know, when you're when you're sending, you know, tons of email or, or tons of marketing pieces out there. It takes some of that work out of it. So there's a little bit of marketing automation. Now I will admit, it's not very sophisticated, and that's actually one of my one of my focuses uh, over the next 12 months is to really focus on the marketing and the automation of the marketing because it's not there. Uh, so and that was actually one of the things that. I identified after the hurricane that I need to work on is marketing and sales because that was me. That was you know the only some of the only areas that I haven't really completely let go of uh, because I'm learning them and then uh, getting ready to delegate them. So uh, uh, so marketing automation there. What other uh, kind of automation are we uh, are we doing in here? No, those all made sense. It sounds like you're using Connect Booster, QuickBooks, ConnectWise, Zapier. Yep. Uh, with your website, which is built in WordPress, sounds like yep. you're automating as much as you can, which is great. Yeah, it's 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 basically. Here's the thing with automation, though. A lot of people focus on automation like it's a be all end all. Yeah. But if there's not a human process there before you start automating, and you don't understand it fully, you're just going to be uh, throwing uh, you know good money after bad. Yeah. Well, talk to us a little bit about that. Like, describe the moment or the maybe the circumstance where you knew that you needed to automate some of these things? Uh, well, let's see. Do you want to start with Connect Booster? Because, you know, obviously it's your product. Um, no, you start wherever you want. Like, I mean, your PSA is a big, big tool. Our, I mean, Connect Booster right. doesn't okay. do CRM or marketing or things of that nature. So that's a big one. So I'd say 
Well, let's just yeah, start yeah. at some of those situations where you knew you needed to automate starting with, uh, you know, with a PSA or CRM software and then go from there. So uh, I think with IT, we are fantastic at solving problems. We are absolutely terrible at communicating. Mm-hmm. So uh, I kind of took a little bit of a backwards. Well, I, I, I kind of made, made a, a big roundabout trip. At first, I was using my PSA to send client emails. And then I realized clients don't read emails. Uh, they would still call asking for status updates and all this other stuff. And I said, okay, what? where am I going wrong here? And I realized, you know what? Why don't I have an admin assistant call the client and keep them up to speed? And that's actually made a huge difference. Clients appreciate that a lot more. Phone call rather than an automated email from, from the system. So instead of triggering an email to have uh, a client action happen, I trigger an email to have an admin assistant action happens. So whenever a ticket's been in a certain status for so long, the admin assistant then gets involved and goes and and, uh, does whatever needs to get done, whether it's go and ask the tech, what's going on here? Do you need me to fetch more information or whatever? Or call the client and say, hey, we're waiting for this. uh, Or, hey, is this still an issue? And um, again, taking that human touch, because we in IT, we don't want to talk to people. We don't want to talk to them. We don't want to see them. Uh, in fact, if we could get rid of people and keep our jobs, we would do that. But in the real world, that doesn't work. So I try to inject people and get, and then give people some automated tools so they know when they need to do the tasks rather than directly touch the client with the automation because it's not, it's not valued or appreciated by the client. I like that. I like that a lot. How do you, in automating a lot of these things and working with your team, Angel, how do you feel that automation has helped improve things for you guys inside of your business? Fewer balls dropped, I think, is the the greatest benefit. Um, We fight distraction a lot here. Uh, I mean, we we all do fight distraction a lot, and and distraction can cause us to drop, drop the ball on a client. But when you have, you know, an email reminder telling you, hey, you gotta do this. Uh, and you can see in your PSA tool that, hey, you know, something's due. You know, having those multiple touches from the, the automated tools uh, can often help fight that distraction and then at the end of the day, serve the client well. And that's really the end goal, is it? I mean, I've read, I just read a book called The Entrepreneurial Equation by Carol Roth. And in the book, she talks about the difference between a self-employed business owner and a true entrepreneur. And she talks about, the, the self-employed person left their job because they had an ax to grind, right? There may be, this may be more of a negative view of somebody who's self-employed. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the, the, the picture that she paints of a, somebody who's self-employed, somebody who's not worried or focused on growing their business. It's, it's more of a lifestyle business, right? And then she paints the picture of an entrepreneur. And the entrepreneur truly feels that they have a product or service that can improve somebody's life and serve them. And they're hyper, hyper-focused on customer care and customer service. And not only their external customers who are paying them from a revenue perspective, but also the internal customers, you know, their contractors and their employees. So it's interesting that you say that because um, that is the true measure of an entrepreneur. And I definitely feel that you, uh, in my mind, are a true entrepreneur. I appreciate that. I had I have a client who, who uh, I guess for whatever reason, has taken a real good liking to me and, and uh, just speaks to me bluntly and just tells me the way it is and he uh we were out to lunch one time and he said angel you know you don't really have a business you have a really well-paying job and that bugged the mess out of me and it bugged the mess out of me because he was right 
And so that what he said there, which is exactly what you just said, got me to thinking, okay, what do I need to do to actually have a real business and prove this guy wrong? Yeah. Now, I will say there's nothing wrong with having a lifestyle business, right? Like I know freelancers, one of my uh, business colleagues from a couple couple of um, couple of gigs ago, she spent probably 20, 25 years as a PMP certified project manager. She worked for huge billion dollar companies like Salesforce and Digital River, which is a um, a huge enterprise software development and, and project management shop in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And she made hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars inside of, you know, 20 and 25 years. And she did a really good job at it. Um, you know, she didn't have any kids. She wasn't married. Uh, so, you know, she lived a very uh, low responsibility lifestyle in terms of, you know, having responsibility of a spouse and kids and whatnot. But at the end of the day, she had a great lifestyle business because she was a, a project manager and a freelancer. And so I would say, you know, certainly your friend has a good challenge for you if that's the challenge that you wanted to accept. But don't ever be ashamed of having a business that's a lifestyle business because eventually you grow it. You add that 10, 20, 30 percent EBITDA every year, that profitability, recurring profitability. And when you get into your 40s, 50s and 60s, you sell it, you know, and you focus on the next stage of in the next season of life. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with a lifestyle business, but no. it bothered me because it wasn't what I was set, setting out to do. Right. And, and and that's the thing. You got to know what you're setting out to do. You got to know what your goals are. You got to know what your end game is. And this isn't a lifestyle business for me. So, um, you know, I, I really want to grow it. I really want to uh, add value. And, and most of all, I want to be it gives me the opportunity to do things that I enjoy, which is investing in people. I love growing people. I love building relationships. You know, I was uh, with a friend uh, uh, last week and, uh, you know, I, I got to hear him, you know, say, you know, hey, I wish I could help more people. You know, I want to grow my business so I can help more people. That's his heart. He wants to be able to help more people. And that really resonated with me. Yeah. You know, it really, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I can't, if I'm in here doing things, I'm not out there helping people. Yeah, I completely so, agree. That, that, that's why it bothered me because I knew he was right. I knew he was absolutely right. And I knew that that wasn't my journey. Right. No. And like I said, good challenge if that's the challenge that you needed to accept. And it sounded like it was. So kudos to you for being self-aware too, to receive that well. I wrote a blog piece a couple years ago. Um, it was a pretty therapeutic one, actually. It was called The 31 Things I Would Tell My Younger Self. If you could talk to your younger self, Angel, after seeing what you've accomplished today... Looking back on the last 14 crazy, stressful, mundane, awesome years, what wisdom are you going to impart on your younger self? See, I have a tough time with that because I, I don't like to – I know it's not living with regret, but I'm a very decisive person. And once I make a decision, I live with the consequences. And I don't go back and I don't say, okay, well, what if I did this differently? Probably the only thing I would tell my younger self is to enjoy the journey more. That's something I'm still learning how to do now. Take yeah. f take more breaks, you know, and, and just uh, uh, enjoy the journey because I'm a destination-focused person. I'm not a journey-focused person. Sometimes we just want to get something done, and uh, we forget that that's not the, you know, that, that doesn't always have to be the goal. The journey is a part of the goal. I love it. I love it. Well, Angel, we're just going to wrap up here in the next few minutes. But lastly, what's the number one message or point that you drive home to any of your peers or colleagues listening to this podcast? What's the one thing 
that you want them to take away from this interview? There's a lot of people telling you a lot of things right now in our industry. They're telling you how you should run your business, how you should run your company, how you should run your teams, how you should sell this, that, or the other, how you should market this, that, or the other. Listen, it's your business. It's unique, okay? Um, you got to live with whatever decisions you make. So take what everybody says because everybody's got a little bit of wisdom there and it's not, not any less valuable than anybody else's. But you got to find your own pace. you got to find your own style. Uh, don't let it take over your life so that you're putting undue pressure on yourself and saying, well, I'm not making these numbers or I'm not doing this or I'm not growing at this rate. You got to be comfortable in your own skin. So figure out what it is that, you know, really makes you comfortable and, and stick to that. And then, you know, whenever you hear somebody say, oh, well, I'm growing at this rate and doing this out of the other and you should be, too. Now, that 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 may be for them, but it may not be for you. You got to be comfortable with that. I love it. I think it's Proverbs eleven fourteen that says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is found in many advisors. So I think that kind of sums up what you said nicely. There's going to be a lot of advisors giving you opportunities and business advice, to your point, Angel, but uh, filter it out. Not all of it's good, not all of it's bad either, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and there, there's going to be some truth and, and, and some nugget of wisdom in each piece of advice. And, uh, Again, just try to try to get some of it. Uh, you know, try to get what's valuable for you out of it. Uh, and and then sometimes you just got to turn it off because it's time to execute. I've found that. Uh, and, and you know, you and I discussed about a, a recent. Uh, I had to terminate a, a particular service I was really proud of and fond of, but I had to say, you know what? Too much information in. I've got to stop, and I've got to start executing. So don't be afraid to to let things end so that you can move on and use whatever you gathered there to move on to the next level. Sometimes you have to end something in order to get to the next level. I like it. That's fantastic wisdom. Angel, where can people find out more about your company and your business? So check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash datacore. Um, I'm always on uh, live there. If you're not doing Facebook Live for your business, you're missing out on a great opportunity to reach out. I, I don't know that it's going to translate into direct leads and business, but at least it gives you an opportunity to introduce yourself to your community and to potential clients. So uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, uh, facebook.com forward slash datacore. That's our company page. Uh, if you're in the MSP community, uh, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook as well, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm out there. I'm not 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 hard to find. Uh, uh, so uh, feel free to reach out to me there, and uh, I'll be glad to chat with you and give you my thoughts. And usually, it's going to be more than what you bargained for. Now, is a Datacore D A T A C O R P S correct? That is correct. Got it, Angel. You have been a wonderful guest. This has been an awesome way to spend our time today. Thank you, man. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast and encouraging and inspiring us with the confessions of an IT business owner. Thanks, man. It's been an honor. Thanks, Angel. Appreciate you. All right, everyone. As long as you are uh, uh, subscribing to our podcast, please take a look at Angel's company again. You can go to his website, just Google Datacore, D-A-T-A-C-O-R-P-S, Technology Solutions in Florida, or you can check him out on Facebook, Facebook forward slash D-A-T-A-C-O-R-P-S. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today on this podcast. The Confessions of an IT Business Owner, where we feel that cash flow is critical to your business. Automation is paramount in building trust with your clients through a professional-looking solution is going to help you grow your business. Thanks again for sticking with us. We'll talk to you soon.